I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. Dharma Realm podcast for October 8th, 2010, and today we talk about Buddhist views of humanity. So the uh, past couple episodes we've been talking about uh, Buddhism and, uh, for lack of a better term, secular humanism. And uh, if you listen to the first of those episodes, you know that I don't really know what that secular humanism necessarily means, uh, but that's what's been kind of interesting about these episodes is uh, trying to tease that out figure out uh, what that might mean. Uh, Not so much to try and define that, but to give us greater insight into Buddhism uh, and the way we perceive Buddhism. Uh, And so today, uh, we'd like to take a kind of a different tack on this uh, question. And to me, it kind of brings up the issue of the value of the human in Buddhism, the value of humanity, maybe. Uh, and we've we touched on it before, um, and this you know six realms and the human as you know only one amongst many forms of existence, and yet having a kind of a special characteristic that uh, because of his self-reflective abilities uh, that or I'm sorry, its self-reflective abilities uh, that humanity is the only one. Oh, I've, doctrinally, I could have just said his, but I'm, we're going to say that humans are the only ones that can attain Buddhahood. Um, Today, I'm thinking more from a Jodo Shinshu point of view and thinking about the idea of the evil person and looking at that. And that's a problematic term in itself. Uh, the Japanese would be akunin, uh, which literally is evil person. But even what the term evil means is, is, is something we can question. Uh, we might get into that. Uh, what about uh, the other one, foolish being? All right, foolish being would be another one. That's bombu. a good, that's it, bombu, mm-hmm. um, is, is another uh, related term. Uh, and so looking at... Uh, Which doesn't look good for people. Yeah, it... it, it, it if we're it, foolish and evil. Mm-hmm. Which seems to me uh, different from what humanism would be right. about. Humanism seems to be about humanity. And it's about, I don't know, I think implicit is how great we are, how great we can be, because we can figure this stuff out, right? We can use science, and we can use our rational reasoning abilities, and we can uh, come up with ethics, and we can come up with theories about um, society uh, without needing to resort to supernatural means. This is all coming, you know, from the the past few episodes, but it seems to be centered on humanity. That seems Mm -hmm. to be a good thing. Whereas in these ideas of the evil person or the foolish being, uh, not sure, what's up? You know, that's kind of um, what that question about uh, secular humanism and Buddhism, one of the things that it brought to mind, to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it seems like it's raising a question of what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. in either a secular humanist point of view or a, a context or a Buddhist context. 
um, and and whether or not human beings are good mm-hmm. was one of those questions. Mm-hmm. And I phrased it as a high school ethics kind of thing of are humans intrinsically good or inherently bad, right? Because um, it seems like we do lots of bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's an age-old question, right, throughout various cultures, right? Um, yeah, human, and, and I think that's kind of the contradiction of humanity is that human beings are capable of the most atrocious acts possible, of causing the most extreme suffering for others. Uh, and yet, they're also capable of complete selfless compassion for others. Right? And, we, and I think that we see both. It seems like humanity is capable of both. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting, I think, is that, well, is it intrinsic? Or is there something else going on? Right? And I think one way of looking at the question of are human beings inherently good or inherently bad is kind of like could be seen as the issue of sin. Are they inherently sinful? There's something inherent in humanity, inherently wrong and bad mm-hmm. and um, evil potentially. Right? Or is it maybe a one Buddhist approach would be like, no, it's not an issue. Of, the human's almost not important at all. The issue is ignorance. Mm-hmm. The issue is that whatever form of existence it is, if it's ignorant of the truth, then it goes off on the wrong track, becomes self-centered, uh, and, and ho- creates harm and creates uh, suffering for itself and others. So that's, that's one way of looking at the question, I think. Yeah, sort of get past the, I mean, I don't know, as we were talking just now, I was thinking about how we were thinking about whether or not humans are good or bad, and I was like, hmm. Maybe we should stop and question that. Like, why do we assume that there is something that's good and bad, right? Let's like, like step back a little bit and say, well, you know, is is this dichotomy we've made between good and bad even make sense, mm-hmm. right? Is that even part of reality? And so I, I sort of like that idea that it's not really about good or bad or even people's human beings at all, but this question of ignorance and whether or not we're awakened to a certain, awakened to the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, kind of similarly, I think that, and maybe this is one of the problems with the term like evil in considerations of Buddhism, where there there are terms like aku that seems to point to evil, right? Uh, And yet, for a lot of people, that just rubs them the wrong way. But I think that maybe this is, and this just occurred to me from what you said, that in Buddhism, it's not that we're looking for some kind of intrinsic evil, Mm-hmm. But it's the actions, right? It's that, and maybe the, the motivation for those actions, right? So that uh, in Buddhism, rather than saying, you know, oh, this is, this is intrinsically evil, it's like, no, wait a second. This action caused harm for others. Right. right? And so in that sense, yeah, it's evil or bad or wrong in Buddhism because that's not... The, the truth is beyond that, right? The truth is is, is about removing harm. It's about removing suffering. Mm-hmm. And so anything that, that causes harm, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is in some way flawed and wrong and evil. Uh, but it's it's not trying to point to these evil essences or, you know, this person's yeah, evil yeah. or Hitler's evil or, or whatever. Um, Satan, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of, I had a teacher once say that 
in Buddhism, it's not a question of good or bad or right or wrong. It's a question, you know, moral questions are really a, a matter of will this action bring me closer to awakening or will it take me further away? Mm-hmm. You know, similar to your idea of, you know, does this action create more suffering or create more harm? Um, I think that's sort of getting to the root of it. It's, it's more of a question of, you know, are my actions, you know, helping me progress toward or helping you or helping anybody else progress toward awakening or are they just causing more suffering? And if they're causing more suffering, then they're wrong or bad or mm-hmm. evil, but not in that absolute sense. And I think that's, that's the other important thing there is that there's this, this sense that we have that there are absolutes in this world that there's an absolute good and absolute bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it it seems to me like, like if you really start digging deep enough in Buddhist ethics, you find it really hard to find absolutes where there are certain actions that in this particular context look really bad, but from another point of view, Oh no, it's not bad at all. That, you know, it's just, it's really contextual. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's not to dismiss the the evil aspect of killing, (laughs) for example. Right, right, right. Right? But if we just say killing is evil, then we've opened up a huge can of worms because, you know, we've been in Iraq for seven years at, and up until this point, and, you know, there's been lots of killing going on, right? But um, I would think that, well, maybe we don't want to go there. <laughs> well, no, I but, think that I think the, pr- the problem with, with clinging to sort of moral absolutes, if you, for example— and, and I've seen this. I've seen I've seen Buddhists have this argument where they say, "Well, you know, killing is wrong. Therefore, if you are engaged in killing, you've done something wrong. You're wrong. You're a bad person. You can't be Buddhist. You're wrong." And it, you sort of get hung up in that sort of cycle of judgment. And I think that's part of the problem when you when you cling to these absolutes is that you end up getting sucked into this place where you have to like defend, you know defend a certain position and, and dismiss or judge or condemn these people for, for violating that judgment when, you know, reality is much more complicated. Yeah, there was lots of killing in Iraq, and we can make some judgments about whether that was wrong or right and whether or not we should have ever invaded Iraq in the first place. But if we get to the point where we're like, oh, well, all of the individual soldiers who fought in Iraq, they're all wrong, evil people. How does that help? Is that really good? Does that help? alleviate their suffering? Does that help alleviate the suffering of, of the families who are in Iraq? I mean, you know, th- those are important things we need to think about mm-hmm. rather than just sort of slipping into the absolute killing is wrong and everybody else is, you know, they all did horrible things. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's, you know, let's, let's dig a little deeper and then really question that mm-hmm. and think about it more. Mm-hmm. And I think Buddhism is interesting too because to assume essences, like to assume, mm-hmm. yes, this person is inherently evil, is to me not thinking Buddhistically. Because first of all, well, what is the person in the first place? Where can we find the person? Yeah, Where can yeah. we find the evil essence? Uh, but then also recognizing that the actions are the result of all the causes and conditions that make the person make up the person, quote unquote, in that moment when they make that decision or commit that act. Right. It doesn't negate the wrongness of the act. Right. You can't say like the guy uh, in, who got busted in Richmond today or something. He killed like four people or something like that. It's not like oh no no no. It's just the circumstances he was brought up. It, it, sorry, you know, just let him go. Right. That's not what it's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's it's also uh, trying to to recognize uh, that. Uh, all all the causes and conditions, possibly including karma, 
sure. maybe not, whatever karma means. Oh, you know, but we could be karma. right. But we could be humanistic <laughs> too, I think, yeah. and look at their genetics or their you know their upbringing right. or whatever. Um, to, to sidetrack a little bit, I think you can take a secular humanist perspective on karma and accept it as part of rational scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. You can interpret karma from that point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I know that oftentimes people will interpret karma as having to do with past lives, but I think you can look at karma in lots of different ways. Um, right. You know, Maybe karma isn't part of your genes, who knows? Mm-hmm. To me, karma mostly is just about your causes and conditions, the, right. the past web of actions that resulted in my current circumstance, which you know, includes not just my own actions, but actions of other people. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you said about um, talk going back to high school ethics type questions mm-hmm. and about it was it Hitler? Sure, as, Hitler. right? Like, was Hitler like just destined to be that? Right. Was that, he born evil? Right. Or yeah. was he a blank slate? Yeah. Yeah. I think Buddhism <laughs> wouldn't accept either one. Oh, really? Because. He's not a blank slate because right, right. That that maybe at some point in the infinite past there was a blank slate for all of us, right? But that this kind of assumption that that uh, who we are is the result of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond our control, a lot of it, right? And so, um, in that sense, you know, maybe I think the blank slate kind of idea may not work for Buddhism, but the predestination kind of fake thing doesn't work either. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally reject fate. Yeah. And luck, apparently. And luck, yeah. I don't like luck either. <laughs> <laughs> Those are rants for a different day, though. I've, I've, I've said enough things that I'm going to regret in the morning. So. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the issue of the, the fate, because karma can seem like fate sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly, oh, it certainly this, sounds like it. I mean, I've, I've read, mm-hmm. you know. I've read certain things that make it sound like, oh, he was destined to have this happen because of his karma. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even using that word destined and... and, and right, slippery. Yeah, but really I, I, think that, I think it's important. To, and, and I think the reason that I have a hard time with the idea of destiny is because to, to me, and this might just be my own mistaken understandings of, of the, where this word comes from, but to me, destiny implies a certain lack of free will. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to get into a whole debate about whether people have free will or not, but it seems to me that human beings are presented with a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, they necessarily have limited choices because of their circumstances. You know, I, you know, I have different choices in my life because of my upbringing, because of where I live, because of who I am, because of being, you know, a certain gender, a certain ethnicity in a certain country. I have certain choices. Um, those choices are different for somebody, you know, say somebody who lives in Africa or Russia or somewhere else in the world, they're going to have different choices. So it's not completely free will. I can't choose to do anything, but I still have choices within Mm -hmm. whatever circumstances I have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that to me means that right now is sort of the result of past actions, but I can still choose to act on those things differently and create a new future. Right, right, right. Yeah, see, my understanding in Buddhism is that, yes, karma is strong. Right. It's very, very strong. And that um, if I have these, I look at it as tendencies hmm. or even habits. Uh-huh. Like when, when a certain thing happens and pushes me the wrong way, I have a habit of getting angry or reacting or, or just kind of smirking or whatever, having yeah. this typical kind of reaction. But it is a habit and habits can be overcome. Right? And that Buddhism is ultimately about overcoming karma, 
um, of, of transcending it, right. not being caught by it, being trapped and stuck uh, with the karma that I have. Yeah, uh, it's so. like it's like that that debate, not debate, but that conversation that Shinran has with uh, UN about, um, you know, he asks UN to kill him and and or or something right, like if that. You could, if, if I told you to kill a um, hundred right. people or something, would you do it? Right. right. And he and UN says, no, I would never do that. And Shinran says, of course not. It's your karma, which mm-hmm. on one level implies a sort of destiny. But I think that if we really think about that, I think what that's really ha- saying is that the karma is really strong. Karma is really, really strong, and it predisposes us to certain habits, as you say, or inclinations. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, we might be able to transcend them, but depending on what that karma is, it might be more or less difficult, right? Um, some habits are easy to break. Other habits are really hard to break. Mm-hmm. Some habits you're not even aware that you have. You right. don't even think about them. Most of the time, yeah. I think, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, that's part of the process of sort of becoming awake to your own way of being in the world and mm-hmm. overcoming it. Ooh, that's, I'm on to something now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that self-awareness and that self-reflection yeah. and being able to reflect on my actions and not just assume that it was right for me to act that way, but that maybe I shouldn't have done that or, or maybe there's a different way or maybe I don't like when I liked when I do that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think Shinran also says maybe in that it's, that was Tanisho. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. chapter thirteen, but I'm not exactly sure, yeah. um, or maybe it's nine. I, but I but Tanisho is a, a great book because we're not supposed to read it, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's I don't use Tanisho that much actually. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's very confusing. Uh, there's some weird statements in there, um, and yeah, it's called the. Um, Renio says to like. Don't show it to, to other people. Yeah, yeah. Right? You can that, only this is a read, controversial text. Yeah, you can only read Tani Show like in a particular location, not location, but in a particular context with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's really, really super smart has to be there, and it's just really, it's some of that stuff in there is really difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the juiciest stuff. It's the best stuff. It, like it's the stuff that like really makes you think. You know, it really challenges your your ideas. Mm-hmm. I think they call it the razor text because yeah. a razor um, yielded well wielded skillfully. And we do we work great, but it will it unskillfully and it can kill. Right. Right. So um the yeah. Um but I think in the same maybe it's the same section or somewhere else, but he says, you know, under the right karmic conditions, I am capable of killing. Yeah. And that's Yeah, I think that's true. It's a big it's thing. It's a big I mean, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's you know, one of the things I think about about that is I think that that can help us see other people in different ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think we have this tendency to project our own perspective on the world onto other people, right? So mm-hmm. if I see somebody doing something that is just crazy or it's violent or it's hurtful or it's you know w- whatever I want to call it, a good portion of my judgment on that is based on my own experience, mm-hmm. is based on my own karmic tendencies, my own background. Um, but that other person who's behaving in a way that I think is, is totally irrational or violent, they have a completely different thing yeah. going on. They have yeah. a completely different background, a completely different set of circumstances. Um, and so knowing that, like Shinran says, in some other circumstances I could be capable of killing, I think allows me to look at that person and say, oh, okay, I just don't understand where they're coming from, and I need to have a different perspective toward them. Not a judgmental place of, right, oh, this right, person's right, right, irrational right. and crazy, right. but sort of engenders compassion toward that person and say, oh, okay, something else is going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, now what do we do? How do we, from, from that point of view of sort of recognizing their different circumstances, how do we then find a way to end suffering or to right. transcend it or whatever, right. whatever the next steps are? And even just the openness, I think. I mean, this is, you know... Um, 
to be able to recognize, yeah, that, that you know, I'm, I was, I'm not going to say the same thing you just said. <laughs> you said it better than I could. Um, <laughs> so in talking about uh, karma, evil person, this kind of view of, so, so Shin, Shinshu, I think, takes kind of an extreme view on karma and says that uh, in most cases, human beings will, are slaves to their evil karma and are burdened with evil karma and can't help but commit evil acts, can't help but go against Buddha, can't help but go against good, and that we're really stuck in that, and we're incapable of good. And this is language that, I, I, that Shinran uses, right? That we're incapable of Buddha activity. I am incapable of becoming Buddha by my own effort. It would seem hopeless, except there's this whole system set up by Dharmakara Bodhisattva who made vows so that people who couldn't do good could still gain entry into his pure land, Amida Buddha's pure land, right? Because Dharmakara, having completed these vows, becomes Amida Buddha. So that there's a system set up for people who can't do the traditional Buddhist good stuff, for people who can't, can't be good. Uh, so right there, there's this kind of tension, I think, between the evil person, the person incapable of Buddhahood, and the fact that he's grasped by Amida Buddha and can become Buddha. Right? So this kind of tension between absolute evil and absolute good Buddha on that other side. Um, I think, though, also then in Shinshu history, uh, during the Edo period after peace is reached, um, you know, 1600, and after that there's peace throughout the country, and then uh, Shinshu became popular with merchants. Um, Osaka's like created around um, something that Renyo set up, you know, so that uh, Shinshu gets very, uh, in a way, rational humanistic. <laughs> I've even heard like there were there's like a medicine company or something that uh, like late Edo period before Meiji before the you know the European powers come in that went around the countryside selling medicine, saying, don't get, you know, it's not evil spirits. There's a, co there's a cure for this. And they were Shinshu groups that were doing this. Like something built into the religion, like fostered a kind of a human, secular humanistic almost, but not secular, but a rational uh, kind of worldview. Yeah, a, a world rege view. rejection of the spiritual, a rejection yeah. of superstition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. Shinshu has a side to it that's very rational and fits very well with the secular humanistic viewpoint, I think. And maybe that's why it flourished uh, in Meiji. That's maybe that's partly why they were able to um, uh, tap into uh, European and American scholarship, Buddhist studies. A lot of the early Japanese scholars, Buddhist study scholars were from Jodo Shinshu. Um, and it comes over here to America and here, too, I think it's become a very rational, humanistic kind of religion. Um, and yet, it's based on a cosmic Buddha <laughs> who made vows that still have karmic power uh, to be able to uh, grant people birth into the Pure Land and, and, and Buddhahood. But even within Jodo Shinshu in the United States, there's a tension between, quote-unquote, general Buddhism uh, and uh, the more Shinshu kind of thing of, of uh, entrusting in the Buddha and, and whatever that means. So, I don't know, this, this, 
and I guess the view of humanity and, you know, is it something to be depressed about? Is, is like all of human existence, this kind of evil, foolish existence? Or is there just kind of an acceptance of the everyday kind of human day-to-day kind of thing? The, the stuff that we make, the stuff that we buy, the stuff we watch on TV, um, our families, our jobs, our careers, right? That's all good and fine and dandy. That's what's important, right? And maybe um, BCA in a way in Shinshu has, um, part of it has kind of acknowledged that or, or, or even reinforced that and made that very important and good. Um, so... In one sense, that we have this kind of acknowledgement and acceptance of day-to-day human life. And yet, if you read Shinran, I don't see an acceptance of daily human life. I see um, struggle. I see, um, you know, that it's, it's all this religious stuff and struggling with yourself, struggling with the Buddhist path is of paramount importance to Shinran. Right? He's not saying, ah, you know, I did a pretty good job today. You know, I, I taught some people and the class went pretty well. I think they were listening and life is good. You never hear that in Shinran. You hear like, oh, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I, I think I'm such a great teacher, but I'm just an arrogant fool who, you know, this very deep spiritual um, turmoil. And I mean, uh, yeah. It seems, and, and so one way we've kind of talked about is how uh, Shinran's time, maybe even up until pre-modern times, that the, the, that narrative of Buddhism yeah, was well, the main narrative of people's lives. Yeah, but before we even get to that, though, I think that we should also just acknowledge that you know, we're, we're, when you're talking about reading Shinran, you're, you're reading a small slice of, of, of a whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe that after, you know, he, he, he was done writing for the day or teaching or whatever, he would go hang out with his friends and talk about how he had a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that that reading, his, reading his writings is only part of his overall experience, one would um, imagine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speculating here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hope, anyway. <laughs> you never, you never, you would think that there might be some glimmer of, 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 um, the only positive stuff you read, though, is still related to Buddhism. I mean, you know, I don't know. So, so, so what you're saying is that the, his, his whole entire existence is sort of dominated by a Buddhist worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which and is, one is, which has this kind of overarching narrative of the evil person, right. the foolish person, not glorifying human productivity or human creativity, uh, but more in the sense of, uh, you know, human beings as constantly falling off the path to Buddhahood. Mm-hmm. Right? So his, his overarching Buddhist narrative in, in his particular time and, and culture is, is, is starkly negative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Except for the, and the good that comes from it is this Amida external Buddha, source of it. Amida, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, the, the embrace of compassion of the Buddha despite all the negative on this side. So some, so maybe that gets back, tries to get, I'm trying to get back in a way to the original question, and does Jodo Shinshu match up with a secular humanist kind of view that I think generally has a kind of positive view of humanity? And in one sense, I think that if you read Shinran, the answer would be like, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> 
right? A resounding no. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think Shinran's pointing to yeah. part of the human condition. The kind He's of pointing to part of the human condition, and, and certainly uh, uh, there's a, there's an element of transcendence in there. There's the mm-hmm. potentiality of transcendence. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. The, the potentiality of, um, you know, really the potentiality of enlightenment, but it's, you know, there's always in Shinshu those questions of who was enlightened and how does that happen and, mm-hmm. and all those things, but there's certainly the potentiality for a transformative experience, mm-hmm. um, Shinjin or, or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, birth in the pure land, whatever that means. And, and, and so there's, there, it, it, it does seem starkly negative in one sense, but also there's that element of hope, I think. Right, 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 right. But, but that is almost despite the human. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's, no, there's not the human as... Uh, something good mm-hmm. or something, you know, good in and of itself. And yet, I think there's a tendency in the uh, United States, or maybe more so, but of just a kind of blanket acceptance of this everyday human life, right? And maybe the most important thing is to get um, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in a good neighborhood and, you know, have a good job and make sure your kids can go to college. Maybe that's what life is about. Well, I'm in trouble. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. so what are the goals of life? How do I live my life? Maybe that's where I'm coming to. What are the goals of life in secular humanism? Right. And so, so this is this is part of the problem, I think, mm-hmm. or part <laughs> but, of the the tension and the struggle. Yeah. And, and I think that um, to, to to look again at the the pre-modern condition and the pre-modern world that Shinran is writing in, he has one overarching meta narrative in his life. Um, in, in last season of the Dharma Realm, we talked a lot about postmodernism, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's part of the issue is that in pre-modern societies you have a narrative that explains the world. You have one way of looking at the world, whether it's you know being a, a poor farmer in Buddhist Japan, the world is explained to you pretty easily. There's this Buddhist narrative. Maybe the emperor is involved, but it's all pretty harmonious in terms of uh, a coherent story about the world and your place in it. Um, here in in the modern and postmodern world, however, we have um, a veritable smorgasbord of things to choose from where we can look at Buddhism and find in Buddhism things that help us explain the world, but we have this uh, these other worldviews. We can look at secular humanism or um, rational scientific thinking or political science or other religious Christianity traditions. Christianity, rapture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we can almost, you know, there's, there's another double-edged sword. Like on the one hand, we can sort of pick and choose, right? We can mm-hmm. we can pick from Buddhism the things that we really like and that really speak to us, and we can sort of conveniently brush aside all of the superstitious mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Or we can look at secular humanism and do the same thing and, and try to find points of contact between them. Um, or we can just be completely overwhelmed by all these different worldviews and who knows what's right and who knows what's right and wrong and who knows how to act or behave and, and like you're saying, be maybe... confused. Yeah, and be confused. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that maybe the response then is to just sort of say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to live my life and try to get a house and a job and take care of my kids and uh, just not worry about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... And, and, and that, that whole just living your life, I think, is a reality for a lot of people. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we're sort of... You and I are sort of lucky because we have the time to sit around and philosophical conversations. Our jobs <laughs> demanded of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but about, you know, other people don't and, you know, they don't have right. the time or the energy to, 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 to do all this. But you and I went to a profession where we're, we're paid to do this. What's right. wrong with us? <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, so, I don't know. I think it's been an interesting conversation. Um, 
you know, did, taking, did we get where we wanted to get? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would say I didn't know where I wanted to go because I didn't know what humanism was. Uh. So that was interesting in itself to kind of uh, try and look into this uh, term that uh, I had wondered about before. Uh, but then also to to, um, to try and once again look at Buddhism and Jodo Shinshu and ourselves yeah. uh, from a different perspective maybe yeah. and learn yeah. something about both. Yeah, if I can, for a moment, um, I, I was feeling very trepidatious about this uh, topic of humanism, and mm-hmm. I feel like we get uh, lots of questions, or I see lots of people asking questions about how does you know Buddhism relate to this philosophy or that perspective or that worldview, and I always get a little, it's like, ah, apples and oranges, and how can we compare these things, and I get a little stressed out about it, but mm-hmm. through this conversation, I think it's actually been really good, because then it, it gives us a chance to be really self-critical and, and critically analyze our own perspectives on Buddhism or other philosophies and mm-hmm. uh, think about things in new ways and challenge our own thinking about them yeah. and say ridiculous things that I will regret. <laughs> <laughs>